It is my testimony that the border is secure and we are working every day, day and night to increase its security. The challenges that we are experiencing at the border cannot be overstated. Catching strays over here. <laughs> You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith. Hold the line and own the lids. It's time for our main event. Well, welcome back to the Ruthless Friday program, fellas. That was uh, Secretary Mayorkas uh, long before he was impeached hmm. by the House of Representatives. Impeached uh, probably for something like that. Yeah. Right. Turns but, out it wasn't too secure. No, it turns out the security was a little bit more in flux than he'd let on. Hey, he just goofed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, this guy, you know what's so funny to me about this entire story? I mean, obviously, they, they failed to impeach him by one vote last week, and there was nothing but stories about the disaster that that was and whatnot. Uh, and then they, you know, they impeached him this week, and it felt kind of like an also ran. Type story, like first time in 130 years that that's happened. But it's all process based. It's all like, well, this happened and then this happened and here are the arguments. It's like nobody's actually taken the time from a media perspective to be like, it's interesting that they've taken the unprecedented act of impeaching somebody. Maybe we should examine in greater detail why it is that he was impeached. Mm hmm. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. there's not the, plenty of coverage on the crisis at the border at this point. That's not my objection. His culpability and all of that mm -hmm. is like, how do you ignore it? Oh, there, and there's just no interest by the press. I'm glad you raised this because it is one of the most infuriating aspects of the whole thing. You know that if Mayorkas was a Republican, it would be detailed stories, magazine pieces, features about what he didn't do and what's happening because of it. Well, like it reminds me a little bit of like, you remember that Bush FEMA director back in the day? Brownie? Brown, yeah, heck of a job. Yeah, uh, where... Like he was presiding over Katrina, mm -hmm. which is like a generational famous hurricane, right? And obviously there were problems going on, but like everybody had a a lens of mismanagement. Mm -hmm. Like it couldn't possibly have been an incredibly specific disaster mm -hmm. that hit at the specifically pur purposeful, terrible spot to hit. It like had to be somebody's fault for the whole thing, mm -hmm. and it like all became Brownie's fault. Yeah, it's not like he built the levees, right? Right. Like, this like, guy showed up six months earlier. Like, I pop up tents and serve hot meals. Yeah. Right. But if you would have read the stories, <laughs> you know I mean? if you would have read the stories, you would have thought he actually like smoothed the concrete on yeah. every single level. Well, like, I guess that's my point. My point is that the coverage of that situation. Now, granted, there's a lot of you listening that don't remember all that. I remember it in real time, very vividly. But the stories were all about what this guy could have done differently mm -hmm. and how it would have prevented the disaster. Well, we have a disaster that many would argue is many, many exponentially times more significant for the country than that was. Because it's not a natural disaster. It's a disaster that's unfolding before our eyes every single day and has for years. It's a man-made disaster. We years. Just, we did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, they done it deliberate. Deliberate. As, as we say here on the Variety Program. And they're not examining that. Yeah. They're examining the process by which. And he's still showing up. Like, he was on, on Sunday shows. Imagine, he's the first guy in 130 years to be impeached. 
as a sitting secretary and he's doing Sunday shows. Mm -hmm. Like, no, they're not even afraid about it. It's like, no, throw them out there. You know what? In fact, top line talking point, Joe Biden is vibrant, focused, (laughs) thoughtful. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he's not even concerned about his own hide. This is a great point. You know, it's just, it's really remarkable. Yeah. Like, you think at some point, everybody would come to the conclusion that perhaps this guy did something wrong here. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's worth examining. No, no. It's a crazy Republican caucus that can't shoot straight, as evidenced by their failure the week before to impeach him. And now they did it. And so we won't even cover it. That's just... I I think that's the right take. I think also it, it, it bears kind of focusing in on, I think all the things he did are not out of being incompetent. I think it's ideologically... This is this is where he stood when, during confirmation. Uh, I remember he was facing some challenges because he, along with so many members of this administration, had worked for in concert with left wing dark money groups. Jen Psaki, another prime example. Mm-hmm. So much of this administration was put in place by the groups that got Biden elected and to push their ideology and their messaging. Now Jen Psaki's got a TV show. You know, <laughs> this guy turned the the border into absolute chaos because of his ideological. You know. Black uh, left-wing dark money donors. Like it's yeah. unbelievable how much of this administration is just acting on behalf of their paymasters. Mm-hmm. It's just so sick. It's disgusting, and those are real problems that we ought to be talking about earnestly. But we're get, we've got a good show for you. We're going to lighten things up. Yeah. It's not just going to be all negativity. We've got a good show. Tony Gonzalez from the great state of Texas, Texas twenty-three. He's the man on the border. He is the guy who's district is Eagle Pass and we so many places that we've been talking about over the last you know now it feels what three and a half years it's the entire Biden administration yeah mm-hmm. whatever that is he's the guy who I think almost more than anyone feels the direct impact of this immigration crisis he also happens to be a remarkable nor- remarkably normal human being mm-hmm. uh, it's somebody you'd choose to go have a cocktail with which by the way he's furnished us with some Terrific stuff here, mm-hmm. which we all it goes very a long thoughtful. way here on the variety. Program, Absolutely, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes a long way. We're very easy to bribe. We're very easy. <laughs> yeah, our we're bar's very, very low. We're very easy. But you're going to love that interview, and I think you're probably going to learn a lot about it. Uh, we're going to play a game. We'll play some King of the Hill because it's Thursday. That's mm-hmm. right, as one does. Uh, we got a little bit of variety in there, it's including some Pop Tart news, which is very sad. Mm. Uh, just we're just gonna meander around with some stuff. Smug wants us to keep it tight because he's very concerned about the security threat. So this is, you know, I guess we can just jump into this for a minute. But this is wild, you yeah. know. Like, uh, uh, you have a member of Congress on the. I think he's the head of the intelligence. Yeah, he's the chairman community. of the House Select and, Intelligence and he says, Community. Wow, there's a like imminent dangerous threat that the president should disclose to the country, and then. It, Instantly, it takes off like, what the hell could this be? Well, it's very unprecedented. You don't see that a lot. Like, typically, intelligence committees and leaders within Congress, which they call like the big four. The big four are the people who get real-time briefings that the administration gets on threats, uh, intel that's important for this national security. Big four is basically just think about it, the Republican, Democrat leaders on both sides. And then the, the eight is they expand that out into the intelligence committees on both sides. And 
once that crew has been briefed on something, typically you don't hear a lot about it. If it's something that's very significant, uh, the president addresses it from the Oval. We all know if that doesn't happen between the hours of 1 p.m. and 3 p.m., the chances of that are very slim Mm -hmm. with this administration. So perhaps, I don't know what he's thinking by airing this out on Twitter. I mean, basically, Turner said there's a grave national security threat, and he urges the Biden administration to declassify pieces of it so we can all see and hear about it. You don't, you don't get that very often. You don't see that very often. Uh, so, it, again, everybody's mind races to what that could possibly be, and I, far be it for me to speculate what that would be. But, um, yeah, it's concerning. And then you had Speaker Johnson come out and say, this is not like an imminent threat to the like United States. Can like, you imagine? Please continue being normal. It's like, what the hell? Of all the problems that Mike Johnson's got on his plate, like all of a sudden he's got a chairman who's like, imminent threat. And he's like, ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, he's got to like try to warm that over. But my understanding is this. Here, here's the following. They did the briefings with the big four. They've got a briefing scheduled with Turner and the Intel guys tomorrow. Uh, look, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Biden administration, any form or facet. Uh, but I think there's plenty of communication going on. Question is, what is it? And whether or not that's something the American people immediately have to be on. Remember, there's a lot of reasons why you don't declassify stuff. Yeah. A lot of reasons. Because there are some things that are, well, as we found out during the Bush administration, uh, declassifying things that may not be true can be problematic. Hmm. Can be problematic. Well, hopefully by the time this airs, we know more. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I want to know. I bet we won't. I bet we won't. I mean, like, again, if, if this is a decision that needs to come down to the Biden administration providing transparency to the American people, I'd bet against that one, like, every time. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'd bet against that piece of it, but I don't know that I would bet against members that have been briefed mm-hmm. that find pieces of this that they can safely Yeah, <clears throat> Yeah, we'll see. I mean, these, these are things that obviously need to be taken seriously, but to a point that was made earlier, the House has not canceled votes for today. So uh, yeah, it's there's maybe there's not a nuclear weapon pointed at the <laughs> Capitol. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps not. Uh, so look, the top story coming out of the politics side of things this week um, it was the special elections. You'll recall the reason for the the, the marquee event here, which was a New York special election, was. George Santos and his eviction mm-hmm. from the House of Representatives for a wide variety of issues. But as Smug as you pointed out, uh, fair to ask whether or not that was uh, ultimately a wise decision. It seems like an absolute terrible decision now more than ever. Until he's convicted of a crime. I mean, how, 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 what, I, I, this shows the absolute idiocy of that move Mm -hmm. when you have you know uh menendez from new jersey the senator democrat senator from new jersey who has essentially been just working for foreign governments news has come out that his wife's engagement (laughs) ring was a bribe it is actually comical how bad it was yeah like this has been going on for 20 years with bob menendez it started out with like the alleged dominican prostitutes yeah and then it moved into 
money laundering weird stuff that he ultimately was indicted and then and then acquitted of mm -hmm. in New Jersey and now it's moved into like a, a whole different level where he had gold stolen gold bars in his house what where, where is it, what? it yeah cuz he was like well if you know you can't trace the transaction if i'm paid in gold bars <laughs> Right, right. And then he was Googling how much is a gold bar yeah. worth. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, boomer crime. And that guy is is currently a United States senator. Bingo. Yeah. And that's the thing. Until he is voted out, mm -hmm. until someone who's taking gold bars from foreign governments, his wife's wedding ring is a bribe. Yeah. And 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 did you see, like, Republicans say, oh, this is beyond the pale. This well, is unacceptable. I can't believe this. That no. We must act immediately <laughs> to get this person out of this... Here, August body. Here's the thing. Smart. No, you don't get that. I, I, you don't get that. It, we'll do it to our own, though. I saw on the House floor Representative Max Miller of Ohio alleged that George Santos had defrauded himself and his mother. <laughs> yeah, no, he stole money from <laughs> and so, another like, rep. File the, file the police report, press charges, go to trial. <laughs> okay. I mean, I hear you. It's just I think like that just sort of embraces the politics of nihilism that's driven our country into the ditch where we find ourselves. Today. Well, I think it's pretty pretty clear that the other side is willing to do whatever it takes to take control to, to, to wield oh, yeah, power. No, I don't, I so don't deny I don't that they're evil. I don't see any point in laterally disarming, which I, is exactly what happened here. Just well, be evil to. To it. 100%. <laughs> to, uh, well, this is the thing is, until you make the situation I, look, untenable hear, for the other side, I hear you. they don't stop. I hear you. And they're, I mean, look, they're laughing. They've got Menendez there for all the votes they need. He's voting. Menendez is voting still. What, what is the process for removing someone from the United States Senate? Is it similar to the House? How no, it's work? a very different situation. It's a very different situation. I mean, they're, they're similar in some ways, but there's more of a process. I mean, mm -hmm. what happens is when somebody is indicted, they are removed from the committees. Mm -hmm. And if they have a chairmanship or something, they're removed. And that's happened with, with Menendez. Um, but a conviction is when you get, you know, potential. But what, more than often than not, what happens is you ultimately get a resignation, yeah. you know? Uh, you can think of recent examples of things like Al Franken, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Torricelli back in the day. Yeah. Uh, like you have to have a little bit of like class and dignity and then like see yourself out. Yeah. Like the house is more like a bar, like a bouncer can just throw you out. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. <laughs> but I mean like, <laughs> that's exactly, I, I think that's the thing is now you see, it, this is a whole new ball game in the sense that look at all the, the things that the house committee has unearthed on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. During an election, we were told this is all fake news, it's Russian disinformation. Yeah. And we've all now been shown completely—we've seen Treasury documents, the suspicious activity reports of all this money from China getting wired over to the Bidens. You know what but I— But still, he's not resigned. You know what I saw, Smug? Um, you'll love this, and it's related, is, you know, the number one uh, uh, reporter who was covering the, the Hunter Biden Oh, my laptop, God, I saw this. Who put out that story Is that it said Natasha Bertrand? Uh, yeah, who who said that um, you know intelligence officials believe Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation. Uh, she just got promoted by yep. CNN. Yep, like her reward for being historically wrong at a critical moment in our democracy is Meanwhile, Catherine, Catherine Harridge, the yeah. other side of that coin, who's like one of the preeminent intelligence and military reporters. Like an actual real journalist. Time, one, one of the few left. Mm -hmm. Was fired from CBS this week. Yeah. It's just awful. <laughs> I mean, part, partisanship, partisanship in these supposedly nonpartisan news and, and outlets it, is getting worse and yeah. worse and worse. And Josh mentioned Bob Torricelli. You remember, this guy was a New Jersey senator who was also got caught 
on corruption, similar to, oh, wow. to what you uh, expect Menendez, that in New Jersey, right? Sim, similar to what Bob Menendez is a Torcelli? doing. But in New Jersey, <laughs> oh Jesus! No, I didn't Spaghetti. think so. Spaghetti. I'm He's sorry. just in waste management. Just... The, di- the, differ- the difference with Torricelli is that the media like nailed him to the wall, and with Men- and they didn't let up. It was a and different they didn't era. Let up. It was a different era where they were left of center, but they still like hit each other. He hit each party equally. But and, to like, but to, but to Smug's point, you know what ultimately happened there? He was in the down the stretch of his own reelection race. And New Jersey Democrats changed the rules so they could replace him on the ballot with former Senator Frank Lautenberg. They took him off with three weeks to go, put Lautenberg in. He beat the Republican who had been leading Torricelli up to that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now there's a train station named after Frank Lautenberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. That's my take. It was a terrible it's, move. It's, it's true. It's true. Uh, Republicans are always happy to eat their own, and well, Dems always circle the wagon. Well, that's and, the and, lesson and, to take and, away and, from this one. And, and listen, it, that's not the only thing. They also ran Kevin McCarthy out of Congress. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's the other reason why we're now at a one-seat majority is that that sucker is also open and there will be a special. God, hope I hope we win it, but it is what it is. also shows you how important candidate recruitment is. I mean, like, if why in the world is somebody like George Santos the Republican standard bearer for that district anyway? Well, I mean, because he won. You know what I mean? He won. I, I, well, I know it's CLF because he won. CLF spent $0, NRSC spent $0. I know, I know it's because he won, but, he won. like, we have to build our party and put competent people in these positions so that I want, we aren't I want in this situation. I, I want wins. Yeah, it, it, well, that's I all want, that matters. Very clear what Smug would settle for uh, in terms of your elected representative. But in terms of what happened in New York, uh, Democrat Tom Suozzi won the New York special election. According to NBC News, uh, he's heading back to Congress after he won the special election in New York's 3rd District to replace George Santos. Suozzi's victory Tuesday over Republican Maisie Pillip cuts Republicans' already razor-thin House majority by one seat, making legislating even more difficult going forward. It could provide a guide for... This is the most important part that I think is sort of interesting. It could provide a guide for Democrats competing in similar competitive districts this fall, especially when it comes to navigating their political vulnerability on immigration and border security. Mm. So what Democrats have done a pretty good job of is providing some latitude for Democrats to campaign uh, with the image of their district in mind, mm-hmm. right? They don't have to, the total fealty to like one thing is never that important to them because they figure once they get them into Congress, they all vote the same way anyway, which they do. So how they campaign is totally up to them. Like Republicans, anytime somebody steps out of line at all, they just get dive bombed by the online right. Like George Santos. Dude, this is, this is exactly what I was saying. Right. You, you win this by dude, any way you can. This dude, because he just vote with the party anyways. I mean, this guy basically campaigned as like you know a border hawk. Yeah, totally outside mm. of the step of where Democrats are, and that's what got him there. Now, uh, it also there were some mechanical issues that I think portend a a bigger issue that we've talked about a lot on the Variety program, which is Democrats are very good at banking early votes, vote by mail, mm. things like that, and it turns out. What happened Tuesday in New York, Michael? Oh, a snowstorm. Yeah. Weird. It's when you count only on Election Day turnout as a Republican Party, it's difficult to win elections when Democrats are banking. I think I saw they banked, uh, it was like 86 or 83 to whatever, 
yeah. you know, was the breakdown of absentee well, and early. That is dramatic. It's a tough thing to overcome. And I, I saw some innovative things, I must say, in this election. CLF uh, got snow plows out to plow the streets. Yeah, they're doing everything the they can know? do. <clears throat> but it's really, it's just sort of like an indictment of the current uh, system we find ourselves in as Republicans that, you know, Donald Trump dis- discouraged mail-in voting and stuff and sort of changed a culture in the Republican Party that existed for my entire lifetime. And that is Republicans show up early and they vote. And we're not doing that as much. And we, you know, we got to dig ourselves out of a hole every election day now. And in places like this, we're like, you know, New York was an aberration in 2022. Florida as well. Mm -hmm. You know, huge uh, swing for Republicans. You know, we were winning seats that were like D plus nine, D plus 10. Like Mike Lawler comes to mind, things like that. It's going to be hard to recapture that magic we had in a place like New York. In 2022, again in 2024, if we don't change on the basic mechanics of the election and start banking votes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of campaigns are in on it, and and people are trying to do as much to try to influence that culture as they can. But again, there's this overriding assumption in the Republican electorate, the only way to vote is voting on election day. And I knew we were in deep shit. I was sitting on on the set of Special Report last night at 645, and they had a guy in one of the precincts doing a live report. And he's like, yeah, this has been open since 7 a.m. I've been sitting here, and uh, so far, this is 6.45 p.m. He's like, uh, so far, 22 people have voted today. And it's like a midst of a massive snowstorm. And yeah. I'm like, well, I already know what the result's going to be. It was a Republican district, right? Yeah. Re- Republican precinct. So anyway, yeah, got to get better at that. We also had a—this is actually, I think, more significant, not in terms of, like, federal governance, which is— of primary primary significance, but in terms of election significance, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Dems seal House majority with a special election win. Mm. Where it was is concerning. Uh, this is from Politico. Democrats retain a slim majority in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives on Tuesday after voters elected a former school board member. Everybody knows things have been going great at the schools, so I can see how he had a nice platform to run through. <laughs> Uh, to represent them in a Philadelphia <laughs> suburb that had been trending more to the left. Jim Prokopiak, I think that's how you say his name, uh, was elected to the Bucks County seat. They will give Democrats a 102-100 majority in the House, and they have sought to defend uh, in four special elections in the past year. Uh, this was all because of a Republican resignation that happened there. Here's the, here's the problem, and this is like just a brief primer on Pennsylvania. Those uh, Philadelphia suburbs, Bucks County, Chester County, Delaware County, are majority makers in statewide elections in Pennsylvania. Uh, They're vote-rich. They're areas that um, fundamentally changed during the Reagan Revolution. Uh, H.W. Bush overperformed there, and Republicans held it for a large part of the last 30 years, mostly 30 years. In fact, everything from Congress all the way down to your county board seats and everything else, it was all... Republican. And then in, starting in 2016, uh, and then every year afterwards, Republicans have lost those counties. Those counties are huge, high information flow, uh, affluence, the wrong word, but it's definitely middle class, and there are upper, upper class parts of the communities um, that have that voted for Republicans for 30 years and all of a sudden stopped and, and went the other direction. Mm. This is the issue that we flagged on this program time and time again, that 
I understand entirely when you hear people talk about the changing demographic in the Republican Party. It's now a working class party. And I think that's a positive thing. But it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It really doesn't. There are people whose economic alignment with conservative issues are entirely located in the, within the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Democrats have absolutely no pitch to make to these people about their pocketbooks. They have nothing. Mm -hmm. And yet they've now won it for six straight years. Got to ask some questions about that. You got to ask some questions about that. We are not doing a good enough job. And I don't know anything about the candidates. I don't know anything about the campaign or anything about it. But when you're consistently losing those counties, like just put it on your radar. Unless something changes between now and next November, you're going to have a lot of disappointment there. I think a guy like McCormick, who's a Senate candidate there, has got deep resonance in places like that, speaks the language of people that are live in those communities, has the capacity to over overperform Republican expectations there. But it this has happened with too much frequency in states that Republicans need to win the presidency and Senate elections and governor's elections to not be concerned about it. All yeah. right? Yeah, I mean because it isn't just a Bucks County problem. I mean it means it's also a Maricopa County problem. It means it's a problem in those counties in the north suburbs of Atlanta. There you go. And those are states we have to win to regain the presidency. Yep. It's just simple mathematics. It's a Charlotte problem. Yeah. Well, right? look, look, and last night there was also a special in Oklahoma, this area called Edmond, which is on the northern uh, reaches of the uh, Oklahoma City area. And this is a district that Trump won by like 26 points in 2020. And the Republican won last night by five points. So it's it is it is a real issue that has to be taken seriously if we want to succeed this fall. And I and I think look, I've got a more confidence in this Trump campaign for all the reasons that we've talked about about understanding and knowing that those that is a demographic you can't alienate. You got to go try to compete for those votes. What has been problematic within the party is you've got a huge segment of the base at this point that has embraced the working class piece, which is great. But they've also done everything they can do to try to say, like, there's no room in this party for anybody with economic concerns. And there's no room in this party for anybody with international concerns or anything else. And what you do is you eliminate a whole bunch of high information flow voters who follow this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just about the pothole that's outside of their house. Like, they've got, like, broader concerns. Perhaps they're in business. Perhaps they're... You know, they have farmers with mm -hmm. international trade. Perhaps there's a whole bunch of different things that go into it. But you, you can't, like, add by subtraction. Mm -hmm. Like, we just need to just keep broadening this tent a little bit more than we have over the last six years. Or this is prophetic. It's prophetic. I mean, this is what will happen. Mm -hmm. This is what will happen. It's not like... Which is a disaster. You've we, got... We can't have... A, 18, we, 20, 22... I mean, we have three election cycles where this exact same thing happened. Now you have special elections on a random Tuesday in February. Mm -hmm. The same damn thing happened. Well, everybody's like, oh, it's bad candidate, bad, uh, bad, bad. I, not for six years. Not for six years. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something going wrong there. I, I We need to hear a plan from somebody about how they intend to recapture reliable Republican votes for 30 years in the current iteration of the Republican Party. Just need to do it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're all going to be disappointed in November 
We're all going to be looking for somebody to blame. We're all, you know, I mean, it's the same old story. And it's like, oh, victimization. Look what happened to us. I think that's bullshit. I've never, I've never done anything in my life where that is a satisfactory answer. Mm. Like, oh, we would have won except for, you know, I just don't understand it. And I, I don't like to associate with it. So anyway, we're blowing the whistle on that sucker. Keep an eye on it. Um, all right. Should we just play a game? Yes. Let's do it now. Yes, that was so depressing. <laughs> Let's play a game. Holmes, why'd you make me so depressed? You made me say all these things that are just make me angry. Well, I just, you know, it's like you listen to this program because you want a little bit of truth. It is true. If I just wanted to blow sunshine up your skirt. I appreciate it. I would it. go on like fucking Bannon show or something yeah. like that. I would tell you how great everything is if you just close your eyes and think a lot. Yeah. But it's not going to change anything. No. So, but what does change something? is my reigning championship here on <laughs> King of the Hill. Well, yes, it is Thursday, and that means the signature game of the variety program, King of the Hill. I'm Judge this week. So handsome. Thank I'm, you. I'm Bailiff. Uh, Ash Brooks the Challenger. Smug, smug being Bailiff is, is always a great wild card. I really appreciate <laughs> that. I do, too. It's, you never know what you're going to get. Quite, quite possibly yeah. the best Bailiff in the history of the game. Well, I like hearing that. Uh, I, I just, you know, in, in, in transparency's uh, sake... I have to inform um, the defending champion that the challenger really tried to butter me up today. Oh, no. Yeah. There was extracurriculars? He came in my office, and he brought out the lint roller, and he was like, can I help you, pal? You got a little lint on your shoulder. You need a zen. <laughs> <laughs> Look what he's doing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Okay, so you have our defending champion, I right? I do. Yeah, David Frum. Yeah. And uh, who are you bringing as the challenger, Ashbrook? I'm bringing uh, an oldie but goodie. Sherry Jacobus. Oh wow, Sherry. Oh, you, Sherry. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <sighs> you yeah. know what? It's been a while, to be honest. It's like running into Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. <laughs> it is. Um, okay, well, let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. In the blue corner, fighting out of her own Twitter account, Kami Cherry Jacobus. And now, in the red corner, fighting out of who knows where, David, where did you come from? Outstanding. (laughs) It's, It's always good. It's always good. Our defending champion goes first in round one. Okay, uh, Spaghetti, I'm going to go with Exhibit 5 to start things out. Uh, This is from David Frum. Putin's last hope is Speaker Mike Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. Short and sweet. Holy cow. Seven words just the hell with it. Known communist Mike Johnson. I don't think it even requires commentary. (laughs) I don't. I'm not going to leave. I'm just going to leave it. (laughs) Ashbrook, what do you got for me? Okay, um, Nick, let's go to Exhibit 11. And um, I'm just going to describe, this is a tweet from someone talking about how Melania Trump is good. Okay, and Cherry Jacobus quote tweets, soft core porn, gold digging, foul mouth, plastic idiot who lied about our college degrees, hates fucking Christmas and keeps... <laughs> Her immigration legal status secret like that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. 
like there's a uh, lot there. <laughs> this is just on this is on top of some unsuspecting random person who says Melania Trump is nice. <laughs> that, <laughs> what? Wow. It's a lot to contend with there. Well, it's uh this is a really tough decision for the judge and jury. <laughs> I mean, they're both going unhinged in the first round. Yeah, and I appreciate that Ashbrook didn't just roll over and give you round one, and he, he threw back a really strong take. Although with Sherry, you never know. He might have, three, like, two more bangers. Yeah, you never you know. know. You never know. <clears throat> I just, uh, the simplicity is what I argue here. It's like Putin, last hope is Mike Johnson. Yeah, you know, I... <laughs> I I, I normally agree, and I, I, I do believe that, you know, brevity is the soul of wit. However, just that screed and the attack of a wow. woman on a woman oh, uh, in a way that is just so unhinged, uh, I just got to give Sherry round one. Wow. The deliberate bias for Sherry's style is unmistakable in this courtroom. How dare you, sir? Yeah, I'll... I want, I want order. One, 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 more, one more outburst like that, and you're going to be sanctioned by this court. Oh, you can't do yep. anything to yep. me. <laughs> Cut his mic, spaghetti. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Cut his mic. Right? I, mean, I mean, look, let, 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 let the judge explain this a little bit further. It wasn't just an unhinged take. She put a lot of time in that. Nick, can we put that up again real quick? Softcore porn gold-digging foul-mouthed plastic idiot? I mean, she probably put that in Microsoft Word before she put it out in a tweet. Yeah. You know, she really put a lot of thought in that, and I think we need to appreciate that genius of Sherry Jacobus. <laughs> and for that reason, Ashbrook is, again, the winner of round one. It's on to you for round two. Um, Your Honor, uh, I know that you're aware of this, but uh, the House of Representatives um, warned everyone about a national security threat. Mm. Mm. And I believe it's been declassified with exhibit number 12. <laughs> Megan Kelly, uh, whose tweet I will not read, but I will describe, of course, she's a friend of the friend of the program. She's just tweeting about an issue of concern. Cherry Jacobus about Megan Kelly. Her performative white nationalism oh is a strategic God. career move after she tried once for 10 minutes to straddle that fence and it didn't result in instant success for her. Cherry Jacobus. Okay. Holmes? Okay. So from, I'm going to go with exhibit number three here, which I find, again, in its brevity com to be completely hilarious. Meanwhile, Trump looks to plunder the Republican National Committee. <laughs> Here's the page. Is this apropos of nothing? Or <laughs> what's <laughs> apropos of nothing. <laughs> apropos of nothing. It is, it is out, like he saw a headline and went right to Twitter with it. What's so funny about it is that there is a storied tradition within the Republican Party of any nominee, likely nominee, uh, to begin a transition of a Republican National Committee that they didn't install, to put their own people over there to ensure that they've run a seamless campaign between the campaign and the RNC itself. So it always happens. It's happened every cycle yeah. I've been alive. It's what always happens. It's what always happens. And this is a, a plundering. Mm. Now, can I ask one question about that? Yeah. Do you have a timestamp what time he dropped that at? 
I don't have a timestamp on this one. I wish I did. Because uh, if I ballpark this, like, <clears throat> I guess it's it's in in the early a.m., maybe one or two a.m., <laughs> which is wild. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, can't sleep. Time to send out something crazy. <laughs> Plunder. As if David Frum has spent a solitary second of his life thinking about the health and well-being of the Republican National <laughs> Committee. Yeah. Your Honor, my client said that Megyn Kelly is a performative white nationalist <laughs> as a strategic career move. But y you know the thing is with that take, it's one of Sherry's weak ones where there's like no umph to it. Like the first one had, had, no had artifice and gusto, right? It had artistry in there. This one's just like, Megyn Kelly's a white nationalist, where it's like, no one believes that, no one cares. It's just hot air. Thank you, Bailiff. Yeah. I, I appreciate your support, because I, I, too, agree. I think my my... You may think I am biased, Holmes, but I think my threshold for being outraged at a Sherry tweet is actually pretty high. I found that one rather pedestrian yep. for her. Oh. And for that reason, Frum's apropos of nothing tweet, <laughs> it wins round two. Like I've always said, this court is a harbinger oh, of fairness. Oh, yeah, sure. The, right. the dictionary always. definition of integrity. And I can't disagree. <laughs> 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 Okay. Well, I'm you know, I'm trying to get uh, a little different uh, look at all of these variety of things that he's weighed on, in on here because I don't like to overlap a whole bunch, but I think this one in particular rises to a level that uh, <laughs> the hi the hyperbole of it mm -hmm. is worthy of in and of itself. Okay. I'm going to go with the exhibit 6 spaghetti. Uh, like the equal fierce fight over the Lend-Lease in 1941, this is a night that will define the U.S. Senate for a century to come. What he's talking about is the passage of the uh, foreign aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, a very contentious in modern standards mm -hmm. debate. Uh, for those of you who need a little education, on the Lend-Lease Act, uh, that is the policy under which the United States supplied the United Kingdom yeah. uh, and other allies in preparation for the Second World War. Yeah, yeah. a little yeah. different. Against Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Against Hitler. So, so, so I think in context... Uh, it's uh, in the details. Feels, feels a little hyperbolic yeah, from my standpoint. Would I... Would I what I love about it is, um, you know, the opponents of uh, aid uh, abroad in, in this situation will tell you we're going to start World War III. And it sounds like David Frum welcomes that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Not just welcoming it. Uh, it it's sort of a premonition yeah. in some ways <laughs> of what he's predicting to come. My Lord. Uh, the good news for all of you listeners is that David Frum does not have a terrific history in terms of like... Uh, predicting these sort of world events. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be great as liberators. <laughs> Brutal, dude. God, that hurts. <laughs> Got him good. <laughs> okay, exhibit 10, please, Spaghetti. Cherry Jacobus says, since there are precisely zero things, this is, again, just a reminder of former Republican 
Since there are zero thing, precisely zero things to hit Biden on with policy and accomplishments, Garland's team took the cheapest shot and she only hit they could age. Here's where she gets interesting. Trump is far older physically and mentally, but Garland, her, went with a dog whistle to scare people about a black woman VP. Oh, my. That's a that's a bomb, dude. I mean, that's a killer. The brain worms yeah. have wiggled down so deep to the stem of this woman's brain. They have brain, motor function now. <laughs> they have totally controlled her fingers. The way that she seamlessly goes from Biden to Garland to Trump to her to then this also being a conspiracy to undercut Kamala Harris. I'll, I'll remind the court that the context of this tweet you don't is need Im- immediately, <laughs> immediately don't. following. You don't need to remind counsel. You don't need to may, remind. May I, may no, I, you can't. May no, I, please I think bailiff. Can we immediately jump in following here? President Biden's uh, press conference? Mm-hmm. She says that Trump is older mentally and physically. I, I think yeah. a context is, I, is well provided. Yeah, here. I got that part, but the whole thing is just a—it's a symphony, and for that reason, we have a new champion. So here's the wow. That was that, was, that was so here's strong. Here's the thing. When he, when he started with the Garland thing, I, I thought I was in the ball game here. Yeah, because Garland is a frequent. A, he's always with the Garland stuff, like Garland yeah. is doing X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I'm in the ball game. Right up until the last two words of the tweet. Yeah. yeah. And it was like that all was it, it, some sort of a, a deeply racist play. It was it, it was like she executed a perfect triple sow cow right oh, at the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it was just, like the whole iceberg. You got the lore of like Sherry's against Garland. You got the beginning like, oh, this might be like her usual thing. But no, no. She, she always finds new ways to innovate. Yeah. I, I, I deeply thought I could compete with predicting World War Three. <laughs> yeah. I mean that wasn't that wasn't weak at all. You no, know? I thought I was going to get home. Extremely strong round three. You I know, thought if, I was going to get home. If I had, but a... I just don't know why Ashbrook. Even after you won, you just like keep thinking you need to defend it, dude. Like I'm it's... not defending. I'm no, just I'm defend. just pointing out things I thought was interesting because if I had if I had the soundboard here, you know, I would press Racist. the button and it would be Scott Hamilton saying double axle, triple toe loop. <laughs> <laughs> Spaghetti, can we have a conversation with Lee about this? We've brought this up several times. He seems to be deliberately no, depriving it, it us. Shows of the much stronger without Ashbrook having the soundboard. I like the way things are going. I don't. I don't. Wow. I, it causes problems. First with it. of all, it's rude. He was off with the timing of the theme song every time. I remember that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want him to do the theme song. We're talking three hundred episodes. I want the West Wing. <laughs> I want. I want the racist button. I'll give it some thought. I think this show. Re- I'll give yeah. it some thought. <laughs> What an amazing, what an amazing date. I'll give it some thought. Wow. <laughs> Very kind and deferential. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, uh, man. Fellas, uh, William Bill Post, the inventor of Pop-Tarts, de- is dead at 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Boy, is a man that uh, has played a little role in all of our formative years mm-hmm. by creating the Pop-Tart, the beloved toaster treat, as uh, the New York Post Phrases it. He died on Saturday, his fam- family announced. He was 96, a Michigan native, son of immigrants who worked his way up from a truck washer to a senior vice president. He brightened millions of Americans' mornings with a sweet pastry that hit the shelves in 1964. He, he, should, he should be able to, like, uh, you know, 
they have like a state funeral in the capital, he should get that. Hundred <laughs> percent, just for creating the s'more pop tart. Yeah, that the whole thing. The that one alone Pop-Tart. earned him that right. Yeah, s'more s'more pop tarts are a kitty cocaine. <laughs> they really are. Um, fantastic. Also, just like the cinnamon ones, yeah. and then who can forget so a more low like, key day, like classic strawberry frosted, which is so good. Yeah. And that's and you know what I, I want to settle a debate that I've seen rage for a very long time, mm. and I think the science is settled on this one. Pop tarts are better than toaster strudels. Yeah, they're better than toaster. I strudels. don't think there's a question. Is yeah. that is that? Th- there's lots of people who are like, oh, well, the toaster strudel is better. No, toaster strudel is absolutely not. Well, the toaster, the toaster, inferior product. The toaster strudel requires you to do some work. Yeah, it does. It's like you, you can get, get out frosting the everywhere. The thing can get too hot and turn it into like does. molten lava when you take yeah. a bite into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Pop right. tart never killed anybody. Right. If yeah. I wanted to do work in the morning, I'd have an omelet. But, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> but Bingo, the pop tart is the only reason I ate food before I went to school for every day. Little something sweet and send you on your way. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's very. Kyle, all right. Well, yeah, uh, there's off. a there's a did you guys ever watch Brian Regan? He's a great comedian, he's very funny. He had this joke about Pop Tarts that on the side of the box are instructions for how you microwave a Pop Tart. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's like he's like microwaving a you gotta people ain't got that kind of time. <laughs> well that's the thing, is like in two minutes in two minutes. The Pop-Tart was like the hack for parents who are like very bad at time management. Oh, yeah. You know? It's yeah. like, kids, get in the car. I'm throwing these silver packets at you. Because you don't even have to throw them in the toaster. No. That's an optional step, you yeah. know? Parents, poor at time management, can't make their kids breakfast or whatever. Just throw them a Pop-Tart. Here you go, kiddo. Poor time management. Let's, let's get you jacked on sugar for the first hour of the day. Yes. <laughs> Send you to your teacher. Yeah. More, they got to deal with it, not me. More parenting lessons from Comfortably Small. <laughs> um, I need to play the clip on this one because I need the context of it before we get into it. Uh, clip one, if you wouldn't mind, Spaghetti. This is, uh, I, uh, we'll just get into it. But in North Carolina, Aquarium are scratching their heads after a stingray in their lab got suspiciously pregnant. Hmm. That stingray named Charlotte is expecting, but the aquarium says they don't have any male stingrays in their case. Huh. Analysts say there might be two ways Charlotte uh, ended up in this condition and won't <laughs> know until the pups are born. One is a very rare process in which the eggs develop on their own and create a clone of the mother. Huh? The second, she was mingling with one of the young sharks that stayed in the tank. Wait, what? Last July. Oh. <laughs> I also have a lot of questions here. Yeah. But... I hope we can keep up with that story. Yeah. So, it seems to me like there are, I agree, two, two options. The uh, first is uh, there's some kind of a bestiality thing going on, as we've read about in the New York Post over this week. People uh, have been interacting with animals in unspeakable ways. Mm. Uh, the, sec- the second is that uh, it's Jesus. The, no, the, no, 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 it's the Antichrist. <laughs> so I, I, Have you seen Omen? This is some Did dark you come stuff. come back as a stingray? Sanctus Dominus. <laughs> no, I don't like... I I, th- I kind of think it's more like Jurassic Park. You know, Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. Life uh, uh, finds a way. It finds a way. Because remember, in Jurassic Park, they had only female dinosaurs. And life finds a way. How do you know they're female? Did, did no one pay attention to the second half of that segment? <laughs> what? Like, the dude said that this could be because she was hanging out with sharks. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know they could cross-breed. Well, they, uh, you got to kill it, dude. Like, you want now sharks with, like, shark stingray, stingray prods, dude? Like, yeah. you want to further arm these damn things. No. We can't take that chance. God knows no. what comes out of there. No. I'm glad you raised that smug. <laughs> How does a we can't shark take this bang a stingray? I mean, 
How I mean, I don't think, I mean, it's tough for anyone to kind of fight a shark, you know? It's, I mean, it's a, a delicate. Oh, <laughs> now he's alleging some kind like, of I, impropriety. I doubt that, yeah, I bet that shark is a criminal. As they all are in general. They have no morals. They should all be killed, if you ask me. But like, we can't take the, imagine the shark stingray, dude. It, it, it can't be allowed to happen. Like, first off, it's got these jaws. And then you want to have a stingray, too? Like, Worst I'm, possible it, It's a very good point. Yeah. What smash? What is that? Is that? I assume that's runs along the lines of the animal war that you've been conducting. They're doing everything they can to overcome us, and I'm glad that Smug pointed this out because we have to be vigilant. We have to stop them, and we have to continue to ring the alarm here at the people for the protection of people. Well, because we, we've been talking a lot about this war, but we've never thought about how the enemy enemy might adapt. Yes. Right. And like if they are starting to invest a lot of their resources into the creation of hybrids with, you know, upgraded weapon systems, because yeah. now you've got, you know, a, a stingray shark hybrid. It's a shingray, dude. Yeah. It's we, can't, ha- we can't. We can't. We can't. A shingray. No yeah. shingrays, dude. <laughs> Not on my watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Apparently, this has happened in, uh, with Komodo dragons and yellow bellied water snakes. Oh. Are you for real? Yeah, no. So you're, I mean, you're right to be all over this. We ought to blow. There's a lot where, of animals is, that where, need to die. It's in Charlotte? Yeah. This North is, Carolina? And this is the problem is we have a Democrat Wait. governor in North Carolina that allows this kind of shit. <laughs> <on the floor>. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, this might be, this might be the threat that Mike Turner was alluding to. I think it might Being be. a national security this threat. This is what Mike it's Turner was talking it's about. It's the Shingray. Shingray. We need an unguided air-to-air missile in Charlotte immediately. Yeah, where's the genie when you need it? <laughs> oh, my God. That's just that's positively ridiculous. It's, it is in North Carolina. That's what he said. Yeah. Komodo dragon and a what kind no, of... No, the, the no, no, no. That, shingray. Was, that oh, was the other things. Just the Shingray. Yeah, mm. that the Shingray is the only thing that I know that is in North Carolina. I don't know of any other immaculate conceptions in Charlotte. And this thing's an abomination. Bottom line, it's got to go. Yeah, it's got to go. It's got to go. All right. And well, it's easy to make that happen. Yeah. You just pick it up out of the water and throw it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and it's done. It does, you, just, you don't need a, you don't need a long needle. Quick and clean. <laughs> just, just no throw, blood. Just throw it in the mulch. <laughs> One of the, and, then, and then one of these. <laughs> yeah. Job is done. Job is done. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that uh, spectacular intro, I think we ought to get to our main event here with our uh, interview with Congressman Tony Gonzalez. I want to welcome to the program a good friend of ours, a guy we've had on once before, but it's been a little while. Um, he represents the great... State of Texas and Texas 23, Tony Gonzalez. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Listen, man, it's nice to see you here and in person. I think yeah. the first time we did this was like over a Zoom or something yeah, like yeah. that. It's back in our uh, gritty sort That's of it. startup That's it. garage band days. Yeah. No, it's good. And it's good for me. Anytime I can get off the hill, I'm in. Yeah, I bet. I'm yeah. in. It's, it's rough out there. I, well, and you got to work your way through Washington, D.C. to do it. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you're going to have... Glad I made it here alive. Well, I mean, only a 20-year veteran uh, has confidence in that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Listen, one of America's heroes, uh, not just in his uh, day job as a congressman, but in, in the uh, effort that he's had on behalf of all of us in the armed services. Thank you very much for your service in the Navy and everything else. Of course. Much yeah. appreciated. Um, listen, a lot of important stuff. Yes. Uh you have been, for better or worse, sort of an emissary to the rest of 
Congress and the administration on border issues because of where your district is and because you have just sort of a practical take. I remember the first time we talked to you, um, there was a very real concern that people were expressing about body bags at yeah, the border. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being shocked by that. Um, obviously, a lot more interest now than there was initially sure. when everybody thought this was like a right-wing problem, yeah, right? Yeah. And now it seems like an everything problem. Yes. Left, right, and center seem to be concerned about amazing what happens when it's not just Texas that migrants exactly. uh, yeah. end up in, that yeah. it's all over the country. Um, what's your take? I, in my district in particular, people are tired. We're exhausted. We're tired of being on the news. No one heard of Eagle Pass three yeah. years ago. Mm. No one heard of these little towns. And, and we're just exhausted. But it's not just in Texas. I met with, uh, last week I met with four mothers that lost their children to fentanyl. Mm. This is the nexus that t- touches everybody. And it's, it, you know, does, it's no longer border communities. It's all throughout the country. There is some form or fashion. Last week I met, I, I uh, visited uh, the FBI headquarters in San Antonio mm. for one particular reason, to talk about terrorism, counterterrorism, and also to weave in these transnational crimes. Yeah. So these, these uh, there's this new Venezuelan gang that uh, that is that it, I mean these guys gobble up MS-13 folks. Mm-hmm. No Jeez. one's talking about them. They're called Trande Awa uh, um, ADA um, uh, folks. No one's talking about them now. Three years from now, we're going to be talking about them. Mm-hmm. So this is the threat I think that has so many people going. Wait a second here. We don't feel safe. Yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. feel safe. Well, I mean, look, you you were obviously early to this just in terms of proximity, but also your concern and your sort of urging of practical solutions and nobody could wrap their mind around all of that. Uh, We don't seem to be any closer to solutions, particularly with this administration. Um, What what are we doing? I mean, I imagine, look, the standoff between Governor Abbott and the federal government, I mean, it just underscores the issue that you've been flagging here all along. Yeah, the tough thing, too, is, you know, everyone's talking about Shelby Park there. Yeah. That's one mile. Mm. A thousand miles to the left right. and a thousand miles to the right is open, basically, mm. right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a shiny object, and but but that doesn't isn't going to get you any closer to solving it. Mm-hmm. I've hosted 22 different codels at the border, nearly 200, over 200 members. Hey, you're like Congress. a concierge. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I told Caesar's my chief of staff. I told him, hey, if this gig doesn't work out, we'll just be <laughs> yeah, Tony's border tours. And, you know, we got it all locked in. Uh, um, and you so get you one get, of those like double decker buses that yeah. you get out and walk backwards. <laughs> well, I, I try. To, I want to see them. Un, I want people to see it unfiltered, mm-hmm. untapped, yeah. hearing straight from people the sources. Because once you do, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just yeah. changes you. Just does. These stories are very. They're they're real. They're gritty. Yeah. Uh, it's ugly. And so we've done a lot of that. Probably, I'd say one of the most effective things we did is I hosted Elon Musk at the border. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I would kind of just hit, hit a wall. I'm going, I'm hosting all these people. And more people want to come. Don't get me wrong. They're going, hey, well, can you host me next week? And I go, nothing has changed. So I reached out to Elon. We got him down. And, he, you know, on his phone, you know, very Elon-like, he's like, hey, I'm just going to video us here live and, you know, talk. Right. And, and we kind of – I had a sheriff there. I had mayors, just people that lived there. And it, both, it was Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like, oh, I stacked the deck with this, that, or the other. And they're just kind of relaying, along with myself, relaying what happened. That video got 110 million views. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I mean, those aren't Fox watchers. Those aren't CNN watchers. Those aren't – I mean, and it's just uh, across the board. Yeah. And so I thought that was – that kind of got into the bloodstream. But you hit a, another point, too, is 
What about solutions? Right. I think everyone can identify the problem now, yep. and the Biden administration can't run away from the problem. What about some damn solutions yeah. to mm-hmm. fix it? it? I mean, that's got to be the most frustrating part. Go ahead. It John. is. Well, I, I mean, I was going to say, I'm so glad that you're down there showing people what exactly is yeah. happening. There's so much misinformation out yes. there on the Internet and everywhere else. But if you can see the images for yourself, the images don't lie. Yes. What the Border Patrol is doing, they're doing their best to get, yeah. the, to get the information out to people. And what we now know is it's not just Guatemalan families coming up for a, a, a better life. There are people literally yes. shipping over the Atlantic and yeah. shipping over the Pacific, yeah. fighting age men from China who are crossing into our country. I mean, the uptick in that has has got to have. I mean, you've seen a lot of change in that in your time. I have, and you know, I, I was walking, I was walking uh, through the uh, through the, the halls today, and a reporter comes up to me and goes, "Hey, Tony, uh, I'm glad I caught you. Yeah, I'm glad you caught me too, right?" Um, and he goes, <laughs> "Nothing I love more than talking to the press. <laughs> yeah. It's always like, a fair I, shake." I, I, I'm like, "You just roaming the halls? Like, what are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I'm glad I caught you." And he goes, "What do you? What is your take on the numbers going down in January?" And I go, "The numbers going down in January? There are seven thousand people crossing illegally." Uh, and this is the worst January we've had in the history of our country. Mm-hmm. Is it as bad as December? No, but it's still the worst January in history. So it's a lot of it is how you frame it, too. Yeah. And what I've tried to do is just show it unfiltered, untapped, yeah. and let people be the judge. And also go, this is wrong on all levels, and how do we make it stop? Now, you know, add, add politics into it, right? And you, it's, a, it's a presidential year, complicated, all these different things. What I've said to House Republicans is let's take a down payment in 2024, yeah. and we come back for the rest when we win the White House. I think we, we have to do something. We can't just be throwing rocks and yelling at the top of our lungs. Yeah. People demand something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is the point that we've made on the Variety Program, which is like, look, it's very unique for the rest of the country to be in a situation where you're like, yeah, well, you know what? We'll just change the president out and we'll fix it. Granted, all that may be true when you look at the record that, that former President Trump had towards the end of his administration with the success that they had at the border. But that doesn't give any relief to folks like you exactly. in a border district who are looking at the next nine months. Yeah. Like, what the hell are we supposed to do with exactly. this? Exactly. Exactly. And we also have to we can't let the administration run away from this. Right. Uh, You know, they absolutely wanted this. Two years ago, the vice president uh, hosted was hosted by a member of Congress in a Democrat member of Congress in El Paso. They did a press conference there. And and that that member said, welcome to the new Ellis Island. Mm -hmm. Right. They go. This is exactly what they want. So it's systematic. They own. They have to own these policies that are failed. But as 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 Republicans, we can't just be pointing that out. I think we've done a damn good job doing that. Now we got to now we got to be the party of solutions, yeah. real tangible solutions. What I've said, look, doing nothing, not an option. But doing something just to say you've done something, also not an option. Right? right? What's real? What's tangible? And it's difficult in this political environment. You got so many different people kind of uh, nipping at it. But what I've always told folks is, you're never going to outboard me, right? Yeah. I have 800, right. <laughs> 823 miles of the southern border. I have two thirds of Texas Mexico border. I know this problem set inside and out. Three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I went to Mexico City. I visited with the president of Mexico. I visited with the two leading candidates uh, who are going to be the next president. This is something no one's talking about either. Mexico is about to have a huge election in June. Their president, their entire Congress, and nine governors 
are up for election. Mm. So what's going to happen is, is essentially they're carrying the Biden administration for a couple rounds, mm-hmm. right? They're going to kind of quell everything down a little bit. Security's not too bad. And then I suspect after June, once everything changes back up, let's turn the turn the volume back up. This is I mean, how the, can the volume get higher? I know, I know. I, know. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like if this is toning it down. Exactly. How, what the how, hell how is, is uh, How's the president of Egypt polling in that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, better than better than Biden yeah. is doing. Jeez. Man, talk about wild. <laughs> yeah. You can't make this stuff up. I know. You can't. And, and you know what? It's it's comical, but it's also it also should scare the hell out of us. Right. It should. Right? And well, then, you know, and then everything that's happening with with the sec def, you know, he's out every other clearly yeah. the guy has has health issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And and all these other, you know, Mayorkas, you go down the list and you're going, like, it's it's comical, but it also, like, we're the leader of the free world. Yeah. Like, we, we shouldn't be embarrassed about, you know, our president can't even put a sentence together. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's some obvious things that the administration, you know, President Biden could do, you know, with a, with a pen right now. Yes. You know, remain in Mexico and all of those sorts sure. of things. And obviously they... They won't do all of those things, but outside of that, you know, if you had, if you had that magic wand, and there were two or three things you would do tomorrow to at least stem the tide between now and Donald Trump being sworn in as the next president of the United States, what would they be? I think the two things I would do is get Biden to resign and then uh, yeah. Harris to resign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're, we're, I was going to say, know, it's got to be a twofer, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was addition by subtraction. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Um, it's pretty simple. I mean, it really is this simple. And every administration's had to do this. Bush, Clinton, Obama, Trump. It's deport people. Mm-hmm. If you're here illegally, you don't qualify for asylum, you get deported. And you know what? This administration, you remember the Haitians? Yeah. Remember yeah. the Haitians under the bridge in Del Rio? It was yeah. like thousands of Haitians. I was there on like day on day two. I was there. And I mean, then the humanitarian crisis. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it went away, right? Like right. covered it for two weeks and then it went away. Yeah. Remember the Eagle Pass, December 20th? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was there on the ground, thousands of people under the bridge. And then all of a sudden it went away. Well, why did it go away? Because they started to implement these deportations. They're called, they're called repatriation flights. Mm-hmm. You just turn them up a little bit. It doesn't have to be a lot. So what was happening in the case of the Haitians, they were getting, they were deporting them back to Haiti. And all these a lot of these Haitians, they weren't living in Haiti anymore. They were living in Chile and Peru. Oh. They had moved they had they, they had, had long since moved. Long since moved and restarted their life. And then they came to, they were like, Oh, now's the time to come to the United States. Yeah. And they get rid of all their documentation. The messed up part is now we started to de- deporting them back to Haiti. And they're like, No, 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 I, I'm not from Haiti. I really I really live in Peru. Too bad. Your ass is getting on a plane and you're going back. And the minute we did that just a little bit, guess what? It's it all stops. Stops yeah. the Haitian it flow. All, exactly. Because yeah. word spreads. Word and, spreads. And they know that it's over. Exactly. The border is closed. You can say these things, but you have to do these things. Right. It is that simple. And the other part, too, is this administration. What about legal immigration? What mm. about the people that are legally trying to seek you know, work and yeah. legally fleeing you know, uh, religious and... Um, and uh, and political persecution, like legitimate ones, those people are getting mixed in with mm-hmm. everybody else. So in many cases, they're putting the people that are doing, and, and it's not just in immigration; it's everything. It's why Americans are so mad. They're putting you doing you're doing all the things you're supposed to be doing, and all of a sudden you're in the back of the line. Yeah, yeah, right. But somebody who's cheating and doing these things in the front of the line, yeah, like it's turned upside down. And the, and there's the people that are exploiting the asylum system oh, yes. itself, right? Yes. I mean, and you know we need to find a way to basically expedite this system of review for the claims and then 
deport people back when they clearly don't qualify for asylum as it exists legally, right? Yes. I mean, there's a backlog of like eight years, 10 years, these people aren't getting reviewed, right? Sure, sure. So it, how do we do that? You, you, you essentially, it's it, the rocket dockets work. The last one in is the first one out. Yeah. You start doing that and then you kind of stop the bleeding, if you will. You mm -hmm. stop the hemorrhaging. The other piece of it too is we need our border patrol agents to get back out in the field. They're no longer doing their job. Yeah, they're, it, they're out like doing paperwork. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is very systematic. They're trying, they, from the inside out, have changed this organization from a law enforcement agency into a kind of a, 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 a the last chain, if you will, in this human smuggling piece. Mm. And it's really unfortunate. So we got to get them back out on the field, catching those bad actors, catching the drug, catching the you know the fentanyl that's killing all our kids. Those are some things that the, that the administration can do today. Mm -hmm. And they know they can do that, mm -hmm. but they choose not to. And that's where we got to hold them accountable. But also, once again, Congress has to find a way to go, what, hey, look, you know, I sit on the appropriations committee and nothing says I love you, but like money or taking money away yeah. and go, here's the deal. We're not going to play any games. We're going to zero out that account. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you want money for flights all day long, let's let's boost that up. If you want money for these soft sided facilities that are just magnets. You're not getting it. So right. it's that level of granularity. You can prioritize. It's not through. just like close the border, yeah. secure the border. Like, what does that mean? No, I mean, like what you just described there with the appropriations process is the stuff that like people don't talk about on cable news. Yes. Well, it's almost right? like he knows how to legislate. Right. Isn't exactly. that weird? What are you doing in Congress? <laughs> <laughs> That's outrageous. It's a side hustle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he figured out the levers yeah. in doing stuff? Well, well, look, get out of here. The border is obviously the, the biggest issue on the minds of everybody in the country, but you're also a Navy vet. Yes. And vets who are coming back from, or who have come back from Afghanistan and from other, uh, from other wars are really struggling in our country. I know you're doing a lot to help them. Yeah, you know, I spent 20 years in the military, five years in Iraq and Afghanistan right after 9-11. Mm. And um, it, it's something where veterans, you don't, I mean, they, they're tough people. They don't you usually, you know, you don't know what it takes for a veteran to wake up in the morning, to get up, go through the day, go to bed at night. And you don't always see, they're not always missing an arm or a leg yeah. or an eye or something. You know, they're, they're just, they're just kind of very resilient people. Last people to ask for help. The last people to ask for yeah. help. And, and they're the ones that in many cases need the help. And they get frustrated with the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know what, I'm out. So this is something I think, once again, that's not partisan. Like, hey, let's take care of our veterans. They, they fought for us. We need to fight for them in all, in all things, you know, mm -hmm. not just mental health is, is a big part of it, but also just resources. And I'd say this too, like my generation is different than other generations. We're not going to the VFW. We're not going to the American Legion and talking about Fallujah and, and Kandahar, like, you know, our generation wants, like, I just want my meds. Uh, I want to take an Uber there. I want to get my meds, and I want to go back and get back on uh, YouTube or Netflix or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's right. just you got to tackle the problem different. So, so are you saying that the issue there is isolation? It's like there's not as much community as there was maybe 20, 30 years ago with today's veterans that are coming back from these places? 100%. I mean, you're, used to, be scary. In, you're yeah. used to being a part of something. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you're removed from that. I'll give you, I'll give you a personal example. So today's, today's Lent. I went, I, went, uh, I went to church earlier today, and I'm thinking what, I'm gonna give, what am I going to give up for Lent, right? And I made the mistake last year. 
Lent-er. I, I gave up meat for Lent. <laughs> and I'm a huge meat eater, right? So I was like, holy, that was the longest 40 days. You didn't it, think that totally yeah, I did yeah. not think that through. Right? <laughs> and so, so this year I'm going, all right, what am I going to give up? You know, is it going to be like uh, something maybe a little easier? And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't think of it. I'm, I'm walking, going through all these different things. And the father, I go to uh, St. Joseph's uh, off of Capitol Hill on the Senate mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. When I was a Senate side for, yeah. for Marco Rubio, that yeah. was that's that's the Catholic church I'd go to. So even to this day, that's where my son was baptized. No Absolutely. way, yeah. no way. Absolutely. All right. So I was there today. I'm listening. To, I'm listening to the father, and he goes, "Not everything's not everything's about giving stuff up, right?" He goes, "It's also about adding to the equation." And so one of the things that he mentioned is try to bring people in your life that have left that have, that are no longer there. Well, my younger brother, speaking of veterans, I'm mm-hmm. tying this in. My younger brother, I hadn't talked to him in three years, man. Mm. Ever since I got into politics, this, this happens, sadly, a lot. You know, sometimes within your family, you have this yeah. division. And so we kind of haven't been talking for three years because of politics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those guys that eats, breathes, and sleeps politics, man. That's, you know. Yeah, you strike me as one of the very few well-adjusted people in this <laughs> world. When I come home, when I, I got six kids. When I come home, it's like, hey, grab a, grab a kid and get in the That's your fight. issue. It's <laughs> not <laughs> politics. Yeah. I, 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 I get that yeah. issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I go, you know what? Well, for Lynn, I'm going to reach out to my, my younger brother, and yeah. we're going to reconnect. And, and you'll like this too um i i got a bottle of a friend had given me a bottle of pappy van winkle 23 oh, oh man what a great way to reconnect i'm not even i'm not even a big drinker right i'm not a big drinker this guy my brother's a huge bourbon guy right yeah. Yeah. so i'm like you know what pappy is gonna bring this family back together yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, I tie it in a little bit of faith and that's everything nice. else but that's kind of like the veterans that have yeah. they were part he was a veteran he served in iraq that were a part of something yeah. you leave you gotta, you gotta find a way to kind of reconnect. Yeah, that's so cool. That's a great way to look at that too. By the way, yeah. this guy gave up Twitter for Lent. Oh, you yeah. think that's gonna last? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not like giving up meat. It's like giving up head trauma. <laughs> you know? he, he he tweeted that, and his his dad, his actual dad, immediately replied, "You're not even Catholic." So. Yeah, I mean, which is like, oh, man. I don't know. Is the Vatican gonna arrest me? It's like <laughs> you gotta love when your dad dunks on you yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. My dad's a character. Yeah. Yeah. Well played. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. So listen. Um, you got all this stuff going, politics in the backdrop of trying to do your day job. Obviously, a big march ahead of you in terms of the appropriations process and everything else. Uh, how does that work out? Are we get through this without any sort of like government shutdowns and things, or do you think it's just like going to be complicated? I think I think we do. I think um, um, at least part of the government. We've been working really hard. I think something comes together yeah. on that. And this is what I've been arguing: is Hey, look, we got a lot of conservative wins in these approach bills on yeah. the House. We worked very hard mm-hmm. to get to kind of get as much conservative wins as we possibly could. Take your W. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get everything. Take your win. Well, when you got a one-seat majority. When you got a one-seat you know? Exactly. Yeah. And we just got our, you know, we just got our ass kicked in New York 3 here. Yeah. Like, take or your wins when mm. you can get your wins. Yeah. And then once again, you come back for the rest. I think that happens. Uh, the government, sh- there, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that want to see the government shut down. Yeah. And you know what? It's an easy message to deliver to our base. Yeah. You know, the spending's out of control, all these woke programs. Like, I get all that. But you don't. The way you defeat them is you zero those accounts out. Yeah. You put the money. You don't. You don't 
cut uh, DHS altogether, you go, you're not going to get money for soft-sided facilities, but you're going to get more money for BORTAC. Yeah. Those are the guys that are, mm-hmm. you know, manhunting and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of different things. It's that level, I think, of work that we've done on the House Appropriations Committee. Now let's go get these wins. Yeah, I mean, it's a good message. I hope you can sell it because I, I, I agree. I think a good conservative win where you can take it where you have a one-seat majority yeah. and a minority position in the Senate and obviously the White House you got to do what you got to do and not give them a weapon to hit over your That's head right. in the process. That's right. In addition to that, probably helps your people. Yeah. Right? That's right. I mean, these are the people who need it most. That's exactly right. Can't go home and be like, well, we decided to shut it down because it wouldn't give us everything we wanted. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. How, do you, how do you think we're going to keep these seats? Yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. has to be able to go, not only to identify the problem, but we've done at least one, two right. things to fix it. Right. Yeah. We've, we've, get, we've built all that out in the approach bills. Yeah. We just got to get them over the finish line. Yeah. Well, listen, Tony, it's refreshing to hear somebody who's actually uh, will take a win. <laughs> Where do you get it? There's not, I mean, you look left, right, and center. You get a lot of crazy stuff in politics these sure. days, but it seems to me like anybody who spent the kind of time that you have on the ground, you have no other choice but to try to do everything you can do to provide some solutions. That's it. And you can't back, we can't back down. There's mm-hmm. too much at stake. Yeah. And we got to hold people accountable, our own side, their side. You just got to hold people accountable and keep fighting. It's the minute we just go, oh, this is the new norm. That's what I've been pushing on the border. This cannot be the new norm. When yeah. that reporter goes, oh, the numbers are down. I'm like 7,000 right. last uh, day, and right. you're you're trying to yeah, pat don't yourself give me on good, the back. Don't give me good news <laughs> you know on that. What I mean? yeah. Yeah, and totally. he's like, oh, man, you can just see his world deflated. It's like, <laughs> here's the deal, man. We This this goes away when you keep pushing for it. But I, you know what, man? I will say there's a lot of... There's a lot of good, solid members on the Hill mm-hmm. that truly want to find solutions and, and deliver. It's just the politics gets in the way, and you got to have you people bold enough to be able to go. No, 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 no. We're not. We're not. This nothing squishy about this that or the other. Like yeah. we're delivering conservative wins. We take a little bit at a time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No question. Brass tax politics. A lot of discussion over the last four years about your region of Texas in particular, and kind of the changing political environment. Um, how do you think that all breaks down in the context of 2024? I mean, it, clearly the border is issue A1A. I imagine there's economic issues associated with all of that and then just larger. Uh, you think, like, does Trump Trump win your district, you think, in 2024? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He yeah. won He won, it, he won the last time. Yeah. It, was, it was close, I think a little over 1%. I mean, it's right on that razor's edge where you got to ask, you know? Yeah, it really is. It really is. But uh, my district's over 70% Hispanic. So I, I can, I mean, it's Mexican-American. It's, I mean, it's important to, to know, like, the different Puerto Ricans are different. Yeah, totally. Cubans. And, mm-hmm. I mean, just everyone's different in there. Amazing how the left I mean, just short, short yeah, hands throws at. you all in there. You're all Latinx. <laughs> yeah. like, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before, but okay. It sounds but, Spanish. They're all the same. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. But this is the interesting part, and this is what I've been telling folks, is Latinos are all over the country. And they're not where we're, – yeah, we're talking about – uh, Texas and uh, you know Southern Florida, and New York and California, but now they're they're everywhere, man. Yeah. They're absolutely everywhere. And this is, I think, a block. We can win places that you don't expect if we just. That'll be the margin that gets us yeah. over the finish line. And you know what? We don't have to change a damn thing. Mm. You just tell them this is what we stand for. Go compete. We go compete, and you yeah. show up. Yeah. That's. Mm-hmm. That's how we win over and over again. You show up. The other side ain't going to show up. No. The other side, they've gotten so crazy on the other <laughs> side. People are going like, hey, man, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, you know, 
I'm a lifelong Democrat, but that's insane, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think I think. Well, and that's the thing, right? In these multi generational communities that you're talking about, there has been a history of voting Democrat because yes. what you do, yeah. And now you know because of being a multi generational community, you look at it and you're like. It doesn't seem like those guys are totally representative exactly. of things I'm Then you wheel in. out Biden, yeah. right? You know, he stumbles over his, you know, two sentences, and you're like, yeah, no, I'm out. This guy yeah. ain't exactly doing loop- <laughs> <Yeah>. Lipa. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. it is incredible to me that they just sort of take this vote for granted over and over again. But I think because of guys like you, there has been not only progress made on educating people on the issues, but showing up. You got to show just up. Just showing up yeah. and competing for the vote. That's it. That's it. And changing these communities as a result. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be really exciting. I think you're going to see the next generation of conservatives come on board, and it has nothing to do with where you're from or, or your background. It has everything. What you know, shocker goes back to our principles, right? Yeah. What we stand for yeah. and delivering and all that. So I, I, I'm really I'm, I'm really uh, excited about the future of, of kind of where things are Timeless going. Timeless stuff. Yeah. Um, listen, if our listeners want to help you out, yeah. obviously because of the critical role you play – and serving up conservative victories where you can get it, it makes you a target. And that's in the political arena, something you got to fight back against. And so our listeners have always been interested in that. If they want to help you out, where do they go? Tony Gonzalez for Congress. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony for Texas is my Twitter handle. Um, just get involved. We, yeah. we have our weekly newsletter. We try to give real things what's happening. There's so much just, just, uh, uh, misinformation and lies mm-hmm. and everything gets spe- you know yep. spun and uh, we try to give people the ground truth you know these videos that we're showing of real people on the ground what's happening and we're just going to keep doing that we're not going to push back right left center you know i'm up i love this country man yeah. I, I, i've always served this country i always serve this country to my my very last breath and i think we need more of that that just aren't afraid like mm-hmm. aren't afraid to to win yeah, you're not afraid amazing. to win. A lot of people in in in, on, in this town, they just don't want to lose. Yeah, it's not about losing. It's like you you cannot be afraid to win. Take a win when you when yeah. you can get a win. Yeah, it's yeah. just very well said. Love that. You know, and at some point maybe people, enough people contribute where you can get duck boats down there at the border. <laughs> you can do the full do the, the full walking tour. TG's <laughs> duck boats. <laughs> Listen, Tony Gonzalez, thank you so awesome. much. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, brother. It's impossible not to like this guy. Uh, he is thoughtful. He served our military and the Navy for 20 years. He was highly decorated, by the way. Uh, Iraq, Afghanistan. I mean, he, you notice he never talks about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he had to kind of pry it out of him with his work on behalf of vets because mm-hmm. he's not, like, the kind of guy that just goes around talking about his service. Like, mm-hmm. he just sees it as part of his personality. I mean, it's just... it's. Uh, to know guys like this, and all of you are listening, you know somebody like this yep. that is just like one of those service-oriented people just wants to help people. Mm-hmm. This is one of those guys. I just have total respect for him. I think he's really, really good at what he does. I think more people ought to listen to people like him. And he's also the guy who's standing like in the absolute right there. Yeah. worst possible place for what we've seen on our southern border. Right. Yeah. You, 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 everybody uh, watches and follows Bill Malugin at Eagle Pass. Yeah. And he's the congressman for, he's basically Bill Malugin's congressman now. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee you that they are very close at this point, yeah. having, I mean, 
he's everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's anything, he's he's there in the district. Spends a lot of time doing it. And that's how you get that perspective. And it's a it's a tough district, and it's it's one of those that really is a majority maker. Yeah. You know, so go to his website, chip in, get involved. Yeah, help him out. These are the races that matter the most. I think the stuff he was saying about veterans is very, very, very important. Yep. You know, especially the stuff about these veterans who've come home from Afghanistan and Iraq and are like isolated. Yep. You know. It's important stuff. Guy's in it for the right reasons. Go to his website. Help him if you can. Um, with all that, it's been a hell of a week. I imagine next week will greet us with something similar. Uh, and off we go. But I think we've done it. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode. Gentlemen, again, thank you so much, Representative Gonzalez, bringing your insight to the show. And thank you so much to the Minions. Don't forget, subscribe on YouTube and see us in video on top of audio. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith. Hold the line and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.